So I've drawn the lucky straw tonight and get to uh, welcome you all and introduce uh, our team uh, to you. Uh, Larry Rosenberg, who I know many of you already know, um, at the far end, Matthew Daniel, uh, in his accustomary place in the middle. Um, I'm Doug Phillips, and this is Mary Gates. Um, Earlier on, we were talking about this contraption. Well, I've never worn one of these before. And uh, Matthew said, well, you know, it's like Bikram. And the guy who does Bikram yoga, he wears one of those things. And I immediately found myself running from the room. So just to get my own aversion out there for you up front. Uh, I was thinking about, you know, how do you, how do you welcome a, a group of people who are so deeply experienced? Uh, this is an unusual retreat in terms of the, the length and depth of uh, experience in this room. Uh, it's really very unusual. Um, and yet, each one of us have never sat this retreat before. And uh, as most of us know by now, regardless of the expectations that uh, we might have coming into this retreat, uh, regardless of what our past experiences are, regardless of what our agendas are, uh, regardless of what we might want to work through or discover or wake up to, uh, life doesn't really care. Uh, it keeps showing up exactly as it does, uh, without fail, with great persistence. And part of our work here on this retreat, uh, all of us together, including the folks sitting up here, are to uh, look at how we meet that. Uh, that this really is a work of learning. And uh, we constantly have the opportunity uh, to really become intimate with how are we meeting this moment. Whether we like it or not like it, or surprised by it, or terrified by it, or reassured by it. Uh, how are we meeting this and how are we learning? What are we learning? about how we're engaged with our life here now. Uh, we, each morning, uh, take refuge in Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. Uh, and some people really enjoy chanting that. Some people really don't enjoy chanting it. Uh, and most of us will fall somewhere in the middle. Uh, all of that is fine. Uh, it is helpful to have some sense of what we're doing when we're doing that because it's part of what frames our retreat. You know, this, is, this uh, work is framed by these refuges and by the precepts that will follow. Um, so there are many different ways to look at what taking refuge in the Buddha means. Uh, one way that's been meaningful uh, for me and I think for all of us uh, is uh, taking refuge in waking up of being awake. Uh, and we find that uh, as with thinking or sensations, uh, we don't really get a choice in that. We're beings that are continuously falling asleep and waking up. It's quite, quite marvelous in some ways and very disconcerting in other ways. Uh, one of the things we get fairly quickly uh, early on in sitting is we don't get to choose what shows up. Uh, and we don't get to really choose when waking up happens, but it seems to reliably over and over again. 
And so we may be lost in some wonderful fantasy. We may be lost in deeply painful sensations. And there's a waking up out of that. And in that moment, uh, we're in the refuge of Buddha. And we've woken up. Waking up has happened. Uh, part of the point of the practice is to begin to do, uh, to have a way of living, both on and off the cushion, whereby the mind begins to gradually incline towards that spontaneous waking up. Partly because it recognizes what the Buddha calls cessation. In that waking up, there may be unpleasantness, but in that waking up, there is no suffering. So taking refuge in being awake, waking up. Uh, Luckily, uh, that will happen for each of us many, many, many times over the next seven days. Uh, What are we waking up to? Well, we're waking up to Dharma. We're waking up to the truth of the moment. Uh, And again, we don't get to choose that moment. Uh, And we find what we find. So the truth of the moment uh, could again be quite wonderful. It could be quite uh, daunting. Uh, We know uh, by watching, not just because we've been told. uh, That's kind of secondhand... uh, cold oatmeal, if you will. We know by direct experience that no matter what this moment is, it's already on its way to becoming something else. So not only is it choiceless and thereby selfless, it's also moving. And that's a kind of refuge. Because no matter how awful it may seem, with close attention, we see that it's already changing to something else. And that can be a tremendous refuge that, again, is always available for us. Uh, Taking refuge in Sangha. Here we are. You know, we're embarking on something that's just about as countercultural as it gets these days. Uh, We're coming as strangers, most of us, uh, to live and work and practice together in silence. Uh, And we show up for each other. It's one of the really powerful things about this this form of practice. We really rely on each other. You know, we rely on uh, food being cooked. We rely on it being on time. We rely on showing up for each other. Uh, We rely on showing up for each other on time. Uh, so that there's, a, there's almost a culture of, of um, uh, non-casualness, if you will. It can be very relaxed uh, and alert, but not casual. Uh, so that we don't sort of straggle in, you know, during sittings or straggle out during sittings. You know, when we're doing our walking practice, we're not just out for a stroll. We never look away from our practice. Not in some, you know, sort of rigid samurai kind of way, but as a dedication. You know, we take this as an opportunity to really be devoted uh, to our life. And by doing that, we're devoted to each other's lives. Uh, It can be quite a moving experience, as as I know many of you already know. Uh, We come together as, as strangers. And there's a kind of intimacy, a kind of spiritual friendship uh, that evolves. 
And we don't have to do anything except loyally and carefully show up. And Sangha happens. So taking this refuge in Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha becomes a real container for this practice. Um, The precepts guide our work here. And the precepts can be taken as don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, and don't do this. Um, Depending on what form of precepts you work with, there can be five don't do thises. There can be hundreds of don't do thises. Uh, We tend to focus on five here. Um, And, yes, saying to myself, stop, don't do this. Don't do this. Can be a wonderful practice. But it's it's only the surface of these precepts. You know, not killing... Uh, means more than just not swatting the mosquito. Now, if you happen to be a mosquito, that's pretty important. Uh, And for us, you know, swatting a mosquito can also be a choiceless happening. There's a registering of the pain and the hand moves and the mosquito's dead. So there's been a violation of that precept. What can be learned there? What can be learned there about how the mind reacts to that, whether there's self-judgment or avoidance? So again, these precepts are about learning. They hold up a kind of mirror for us. We can kill the moment. You know, human beings, all of us, everyone here, spends a fair amount of time killing life. Killing life by wanting it to be some other way, by pushing it away, by judging it, criticizing it, trying to shape it, work it. You know, as though this little brain somehow knows better than life and as though it's somehow separate from life. I mean, when you start to really look into this, the, the, the way we language a lot of this stuff is quite bizarre. Uh, and you can't help but chuckle about it when you begin to catch it sometimes. Yeah. So um, working with being alive in this moment, when we wake up after drifting off into a haze and there's this waking up, well, life is giving life to itself again. And we can begin to notice that partly because we have endless opportunities with it. Uh, Not stealing. Uh, Yes, no stealing. Uh, And not taking what is not freely given. And again, do I leave lights on? Do I take more food than I really need? Uh, Do I steal someone else's silence by catching their eye contact or by slipping off to use my cell phone or if I've come with someone that I'm, you know, I'm a partner with or a friend with going off for walks with them. You know, we practice alone and together. And so how do I protect my silence and your silence? You know, how do I close those doors? 
How do I wash my dishes? So taking what's not freely given. And again, watching how the mind will play games with itself about that. Uh, not engaging in slanderous speech or uh, dishonest speech. You know, most of that's pretty well covered by don't talk. I mean, this is a silent retreat. We sit down, we sit still, we shut up. It's pretty basic. <laughs> uh, and then we do that a lot, even when we're standing and walking. It's the same, the same thing. And, uh, boy, right, the mind can yada, 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 yada. And when, we can't, when that's caught, when there's a waking up to that, there's an opportunity to come back and anchor ourselves in the breath and the physical sensations and anchor ourselves in where our life is because that thinking is almost always at about a past that's gone or a present that's not knowable. So not only are we killing the present moment, we're also stealing from our life in the present and engaging in... Uh, unhelpful speech, to say the least. And again, it's not a question of, oh, I'll just cut that off. I mean, if, if we knew what the switch was to stop most of what came into our minds, we wouldn't be sitting here for most of us. Most of us, I don't know that anybody, has found that switch to say, okay, I want these thoughts to come to mind, but not these. Right? I'm going to choose from the basket that says, fun thoughts. Well, okay, things are a little too much fun. I think I'll choose a couple from the basket that say unfun thoughts. It just doesn't work that way. So again, in the moment where we find we're waking up in the midst of being drugged up by speaking, you know, we pretty well cover the the precept of not engaging in things that intoxicate or drug the mind by eliminating that stuff. And the mind craves it. Right? It craves the stimulus. And so it'll talk to itself endlessly. Anybody in the room who's not had that experience? Right? This is a sangha that knows what we're talking about here. So again, watching how the mind engages itself to distract itself from being here now. And knowing that this will happen over and over and over again. And in that knowing, developing a kind of gentle patience uh, with this life as it shows up. So, um, there's a precept that I've... Oh, yes. Everyone's favorite. It's sometimes uh, translated as uh, boorish sexual behavior or lewd sexual behavior. Again, it's back up here. And engaging in fantasies. Uh, Even with food, there can be such a sensual, almost sexual quality. We sit here and we do this very austere practice, and then we go in the dining hall, and it's like, wow. It, It... it's as good as sex because we're not having it on this retreat, right? And it becomes very, you know, very interesting edge of our practice. So I'm, I'm hope, I hope I'm getting across that these precepts both hold us in a very firm way and at the same time 
offer us an opportunity to look at how we're actually living. Not how we think we oughta or shoulda, or somebody else thinks we oughta or shoulda, but how are we actually? Because it's engaging in that, in the present moment, that creates the kind of opening and transcendence that we're really, that we hunger for, that is our heart's desire. Um, I think I'm done. Anybody want to add anything to that? Thematically, you'll keep hearing these same things from each of us in different ways. Uh, We tend to stay um, determinedly on target and hopefully with enough creativity that uh, you get a chance to sort of circumnambulate, go around and catch these from different different perspectives. Um, So thank you. Thank you for coming. Uh, Thank you for making it possible for us to be here because clearly if you weren't, we wouldn't. And it's, it's, uh, I, can, I can really speak for all of us, which I rarely do, in saying there really is nothing that we would rather be doing for this next week than being with you all. So thank you. Can you hear me? It's working. As I look at the four of us, I did have the thought, even though Doug told me what to do with it, I did enjoy it, that maybe instead of a meditation retreat, we should form a rock group the three Baldies and Mary. <laughs> but uh, I guess that's wrong speech for a retreat. I'm sorry. Um, what we'll do now is just, <clears throat> some of you have come a long ways, many of us are tired. Uh, just settle in tomorrow. Uh, every um, morning after breakfast, there'll be much more detailed instruction on the meditation practice. For this evening, just let's get it simple. I hope it helps us all settle down, settle in. Um, so if you feel you've been sitting for quite a while, if you feel like standing right now and moving your body, shaking or stretching, please do, and then we'll have a brief sitting. I just want to see how you did.
before you even assume your posture, you've already begun to. What attitude are you beginning the retreat with right now at this moment? Whatever it is, is fine. We're not trying to give you an official attitude. Just see where the mind is to begin with. And then arrange the body in as upright and comfortable a posture as you can manage. And take a few moments to see how the body is as you begin to this retreat. The sitting posture is an asana, it's a yogic posture. And subject to the same guidelines as any yogic posture, which is, can we help the body learn how to be both comfortable and stable, upright, both. A large part of that means learning how to help the body relax. And what I would suggest is taking a few moments to move through the body. And pausing if you feel any area of contraction, tension. And it's not so much a matter of trying to relax that part of the body as being mindful of the tension. See what happens when seeing energy touches what we call tension or discomfort. See what happens. We're not attempting to perfect it and then just move on until you get the body to be reasonably upright, as comfortable as you can manage, the spine, neck and head in a straight line, but not held rigidly, the chin tilted downwards just a little bit. Often there's a lot of tension in the face, in the jaw, determination to really have a great retreat. Perhaps you've set a goal for yourself, what you're going to accomplish during this week. If you have, see it, let it go, unless you want to really suffer a lot. It's up to you. And now, what kind of an attitude does the mind have and towards what? You all come from different traditions, perhaps, even within the Theravadan, Vipassana approach. There can be quite dramatic differences. I think the four of us are at home with a wide range of methods and techniques, which will become apparent during discussions. But for right now, and during the retreat, I'll be suggesting an approach. You're welcome to try it if you have a method that you really trust and have tremendous conviction in and it served you well and you feel like staying with that, I'll leave that up to you. If you wish to give the approach we'll be using here a chance, then that would be good too. But that's, those are the kinds of instructions you'll be hearing in the hall, the public guidelines. So we've already begun to 
take notice of the body. Get a sense of the whole body sitting, not straining to find a particular part of the body, just an overall sense of sitting. And of course, inseparable from that sense of the body sitting is breathing. But what we're suggesting is not a pinpointed, highly focused attentiveness to the breath, let's say the nostrils or the abdomen, but rather get a sense of the whole whole body as it breathes, whole body breath awareness. It's It's an approach. Relaxed. And see if you can, if you're not already steeped in this attitude, learn to let the breath happen rather than make it happen. However the breathing is happening for you at this moment, it's perfect. Well, where do I feel it? Where, where, does, where should I aim mindfulness? There's really no aiming to do. <clears throat> you have an overall sense of the body. And wherever you feel the breath sensations at this very moment, that's it. So we're seated, we're relaxed, we're already breathing. We're not trying to get a particular kind or quality of breath, not at all, quite the contrary. Let the breath breathe itself. Our job is just to be sensitive to how it is. One breath might be felt in one part of the body, the next breath somewhere else, it's fine. It's a much more open, relaxed, but alert approach to breathing We're learning how to allow the breath to happen and then to be uh, present to receive it as it does. As I'm sure everyone in the hall knows, the mind has other things that it's more interested in. Thoughts come whizzing through the mind, fantasies, memories, future aspirations, opinions, views, on and on. Let them. We're not at war with anything. But what is featured is sitting and breathing, whole body breath awareness. And should any of these productions of the environment, sounds or productions of the mind, if any of them pull you away from just the simple breathing, as soon as you see that in the seeing you're already awake again, just return the in-breath and the out-breath as you find it from one breath to another. That's it. For this evening, let's all relax into the breathing, open up to it. Perhaps we've come with a very busy mind from family, work, school, whatever your life is like. 
If the brain starts spewing out thoughts and moods enter, let it. But just be with this in-breath and this out-breath for a few minutes.
May we all continue to look into ourselves. May we see things exactly as they are. And may such clear, direct seeing free us. Please get a good night's rest. We'll go at it again tomorrow morning. Some of you may actually be fresh. Maybe you didn't have to travel too far. For whatever reason, you have lots of energy. No need to go to sleep because of an artificial timetable. If you have a bit of energy, feel like doing some walking or sitting, you all know what to do. The cushions are here. The hall is here. But use your best judgment. For many of us, just getting a good night's rest is probably the best thing to do, the wisest. You, you find out. And we'll see you all in the morning. Let's have a really wonderful retreat together.